beloved saints, this is our God's word to us this morning. Let us hear him in it. Verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Now drop down with you, me, if you will, to verse 31. We'll read verses 31 through 37. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! We... Uh, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Uh, That ends the reading of God's word at this time. Let us ask his blessing uh, on our time in it this morning. Our gracious and our merciful Savior, we know that you are great, that you are greatly to be praised. We long to know you and your attributes, your character and your works. And it's these that you have recorded for us in your word. And have preserved through the ages so that each generation might come afresh and behold your grace, your love, and your power. And so as we come to your word, we ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts to behold its treasures. That you would allow us to gaze upon your beauty and your splendor. And that you would humble us, encourage us, and strengthen us in Jesus Christ whom we meet there in your scriptures. Amen. You may be seated. So what do you do after 65 sermons in the Gospel of Luke? A few more, I guess. Um, As we worked our way through the Gospel of Luke, there were a few themes that uh, I noticed uh, show up repeatedly uh, throughout Luke. And they were spread out through the book, and there were themes like uh, the Sabbath, or what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus, or uh, who Jesus is and why uh, is Luke's favorite, uh, or Luke's favorite titles for him, uh, the Lord and the Son of Man. And it's hard as you're working your way through each individual uh, chapter to kind of pull all those different passages together and, and what Luke is doing with those themes. 
Uh, and so I thought it would be helpful before we moved on just to take a few weeks and jump into some of these uh, and trace them through the book of Luke and maybe even outside and, and see uh, what the Bible says about those themes, those topics. And, and so today I thought we'd uh, get started by looking at the Sabbath. It comes up repeatedly through Luke. Uh, and if we're honest, it's also a subject that seems to f- have fallen on hard times uh, these days in the church. I've even heard some Christians say things like the fourth commandment, uh, which is about the Sabbath, if you don't know the numbering, uh, is the only commandment not repeated in the New Testament, and so it no longer applies. Now, other than the fact that the fourth commandment is repeated in the New Testament, uh, that way of looking at the Bible is just... I'll choose nice words, tragically wrong. Uh, All scripture is our God scripture and binding on us. Now, yes, uh, some of it applies differently after the resurrection, but all of it applies. There is no passage in scripture that is not beneficial and applicable to our lives. So, for example, up until the resurrection, uh, people rested on the last day of the week, on Saturday. After the resurrection, we rest on the first day of the week. But we still rest. But the minute you ask what it means that we are to rest, controversy uh, follows. Some people love to talk about the Sabbath. They, they love to put together a list of what is and what isn't allowed. And, and more often than not, those, those lists somehow seem to focus on everything that goes on outside of church. And, and those lists sometimes give you the impression that worship isn't that important on the Lord's Day. That it's not the main focus. The Sabbath, as I've said, comes up regularly in the Gospel of Luke quite a few times. And as it does, there are some clear themes that seem to repeat over and over. And I think that maybe God is trying to tell us something. And so today I just want to spend some time trying to connect all of these, uh, uh, pull them together, and to see what picture emerges from them. Now, Luke is careful to tell us that Jesus spent his Sabbaths teaching, as was his regular practice, we read. And over and over, he was in the synagogue on the Sabbath teaching. But more than that, Luke tells us what he taught. And that has implications for us. Luke also talks about rest on the Sabbath, which isn't a surprise. And finally, uh, he records several controversies about the Sabbath and, and, uh, and two very different ways of approaching it. Uh, so we want to look at these and see how they should shape our understanding. And I hope that through this, um, we will appreciate God's gift each week to us a little bit better and, uh, and use his gift well. That's my, that's my hope this morning. As we uh, look at the Sabbath, uh, if I could summarize what we're about to see, it would be something like this. Uh, the Sabbath is a time to know and rest in Jesus and to love and to serve others. The Sabbath is a time to know and rest in Jesus and to love and to serve others. That's what we want to see. 
so the first thing we see about the Sabbath is that it is for preaching about Jesus so that we might recognize him. Um, Four different times in Luke, uh, we find Jesus teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Uh, In other words, it is his regular habit. It's not that Jesus didn't teach at other times. It's just that he always taught on the Sabbath. It doesn't mean he wasn't free to teach on Wednesday or Tuesday. But it does mean that every Sabbath was spent in God's word teaching. That's a major aspect of what this day is meant for. Uh, He read the scriptures. He explained them. One of the reasons um, why we slow down and we put all distractions aside each week so that we might actually learn to listen to God speaking in his word. We are easily distracted. There are so many voices, so much noise. But when we agree to rest for a day, we just, we're able to listen and hear. Now that being said, I think we need to see how he taught. In chapter 4 that we just read, he was handed a scroll to read and they handed him Isaiah. He didn't choose it. But as he opens it, he he turned uh, to a certain passage. And, And the point is, where you open up doesn't matter in a certain sense. Uh... We saw in chapter 24, a couple weeks ago, that he showed his disciples that every passage in the Bible, Old or New Testament, is about him. And and we see this earlier on in chapter 4. As he opens up Isaiah, he immediately turns and says, this scripture that we're reading here today is fulfilled today in your midst, in your hearing. That's how he interpreted scripture. It's all about him and his work of redemption, saving a sinful people from wrath. And the emphasis that he always made when he talked about this was it was necessary for him to suffer, to die, and to rise again. Necessary because it was the only way to save us. Preaching that's not about Jesus, preaching that isn't about his sacrifice on the cross and his, his triumph over sin and, and, and death, such preaching has no place on the Sabbath. But Luke doesn't stop there. Uh, he, he records how through this some recognized him for who he is. Uh, some spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words that were coming from his mouth, verse 22. Uh, There were those who immediately recognized the beauty of what he said and taught. And there were those who saw him for who he was. They didn't simply see a teacher. They didn't see someone who was just one of us, one of them. They saw a savior who could offer relief from a guilty conscience. They saw one who knew them. And love them. They saw one who could give them peace. The disciples said when they heard him teach, their their hearts burned within them. Their eyes were opened. And they came to see Jesus for who he 
is. It's amazing. Even the demons recognized him while he taught. A man possessed by a demon recognized Jesus and says, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Because in Jesus, he saw power. He saw one who had authority to cast out demons. And all of this happened while the scriptures were being opened. That's what the Sabbath is for. Preaching about Jesus so that we might recognize him. The second thing that Luke drives home is that the Sabbath is for resting in Jesus. I just want to read one verse. You're free to turn there. Uh, Chapter 23, verse 56, the last verse. Um, Just one verse. Or if you just want to listen, that's okay. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. There is a repetition of the fourth commandment in Scripture for those who are keeping count uh, in the New Testament. But, but this gets, goes back to the introduction uh, of the Sabbath in Genesis. Uh, God created for six days. And at the completion of his work, he blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. He called it the Sabbath. And that's the reality that um, the fourth commandment calls people back to remember and to imitate uh, in their weekly Sabbath observant. Just as God worked for six days and then rested, so are you to do. Uh, and, and that's the idea. Is it's being released from work, from labor. And that idea of being released from work and labor was meant to expand beyond what they did once a week. So every seven years, they were to give the land a Sabbath from farming. God says, I'll provide enough in six years to to take a year off. Give the land a rest. Uh, Periodically, uh, they they had the Jubilee and they'd they'd, um, release each other from all their debts. And grant a reprieve. And, and, and so the, the, the idea that they were supposed to understand is that the Sabbath is about freedom from bondage. Freedom from slavery. Freedom from toil. In God's perfect providence, it's, it's not surprising then that the passage that uh, he was given to read uh, was about deliverance that Sabbath day when he's teaching in chapter 4. What did he read? He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Good news for the poor. Liberty to the captives and to the oppressed. Uh, The year of the Lord's favor. Those are all related to the Sabbath. Jesus isn't just saying, though, that he's come to restore Sabbath order. He's saying that he is the one who who brings true good news, that he is the one who brings true freedom. His coming brings deliverance 
that, that all of those things in Israel's past pointed towards. All of us from our earliest days uh, struggle to truly find rest. Well, what do I mean by that? From our earliest days, we think there are things that need to, wrongs that need to be righted. Uh, we work long and hard to get ahead, uh, to make a difference, to secure a legacy. And more than this, we, we struggle with a guilty conscience that binds us and enslaves us. Our, our greatest struggles aren't with all the problems outside. Our greatest problems are the problems inside. Because when we stop and we take stock of our lives, we realize we hurt those we love. We make decisions that end up hurting us more than helping us. We reject our parents' loving counsel. We demand our own way in our time. And then worst of all, we do this with God. We take God's loving gifts and we we pervert them. We... We demand more and more and we we yell at him in our discontentment. We accuse God of all sorts of evil. Convinced that we know better than he does. And yet all we get from all of that is heartache, a guilty conscience, and a lack of peace. And the harder we try to find rest for our souls, the more distant it becomes. And Jesus tells us that he alone can give us rest. We read that in our Declaration of Pardon. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He alone can give freedom. I love how how the Heidelberg Catechism connects that reality to the Sabbath. It says that the fourth commandment requires that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways, let the Lord work in me through his spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Jesus sets us free from bondage to sin. And he does so by by suffering what our sin deserves in our place. I don't think that it's a coincidence that right after the crucifixion, we are told that the women rested on the Sabbath day in accordance with the commandment. Now, now on the one hand, of of course, they're they're obeying the fourth commandment. They're listening to God's word and they're saying, this is the day of rest, we're going to rest. I get that. But for three years, Jesus has been with them and not once has Luke pointed that out on any other Sabbath. He points it out right after Jesus obtains our rest. Not from their daily labors, but but from a guilty conscience and an endless attempt to be good enough. I think that's why it's recorded there at the end of Luke. It's to punctuate what Jesus has done for us. He has purchased our rest. In other words, the Sabbath 
is given to preaching about Jesus and his death and resurrection so that we might recognize him so that we might learn to rest in him. But there's one more thing that Luke focuses on when he talks about the Sabbaths. And the last thing is that the Sabbath is for serving others, not oppressing them. I hate to have to add that last part, but I think you'll see why. Uh, Let's read a couple more passages. Uh, Let's go to chapter 6 and read the first five verses, and then we'll read a few verses in chapter 13. But first, Luke 6, verses 1 through 5. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, Son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. And now if you would turn with me to chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it to a way to water it? And ought not this woman, a, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put, were put to shame, and all of the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. So in several uh, of the Sabbath episodes, there were these run-ins with the religious leaders, and uh, each of them revolves around either eating or healing, or sometimes both. Uh, And what becomes extremely clear is that uh, some in Israel saw the Sabbath commands as an opportunity to exalt themselves at the expense of others, to oppress others. And Jesus, on the other hand, sees the Sabbath as an opportunity to share a meal or to show kindness to others. Some saw it as an opportunity to exalt themselves and to oppress others. Jesus saw it as an opportunity uh, to share a meal and to show kindness. So in chapter 6, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a grain field. And uh, 
some of the disciples plucked a little bit of grain as they ate, kind of knocked off the chaff and popped the grain in their mouth and ate it. And then seemingly out of nowhere, you know, these Pharisees pop up. And uh, it's kind of the vision I have when I read this. And uh, they accuse Jesus and the disciples of breaking the Sabbath. As, as if they're harvesting the entire field. And what becomes clear is that the Pharisees would rather the disciples go hungry than to grab a little bit of grain as they walk by. And we have to ask, how does that reflect the goal of the Sabbath? How is that consistent with the purposes in in giving us this wonderful gift? The Sabbath isn't meant to make our lives harder and our bellies emptier. It's meant to remind us of God's provision and his love. What could be more fitting than enjoying a meal together? Other disputes revolved around him healing people. Uh, A demon-possessed man, a man with a withered hand, another man with dropsy, a woman who couldn't stand up straight. And in each of these, Jesus healed them and he delivered them from their pain and their suffering. And you would think that people would see this as a good thing, right? Somebody's been afflicted with some problem for two decades and suddenly and miraculously is healed. You might be an occasion to rejoice. And yet consistently, the religious leaders accused him of breaking the Sabbath. He pointed out that that you have an ox or a donkey who's thirsty, you you untie him, you lead him. In another passage he says, uh, if it falls into a a well or a ditch, are you going to wait till the next day to pull it out when it's dead? No, you go and you take care of it. Why are you willing to help your beast of burden and not your fellow Israelite? A daughter, a descendant of Abraham, made in the image of God. How badly they misunderstood the Sabbath. It's for showing kindness and generosity. It's it's for reflecting the the God who gives rest. That's what it's for. Ultimately, it wasn't the disciples and it wasn't the sick that were being healed or the injured that the religious leaders were opposed to. The disciples and, and the sick and the injured, they were really just caught up in those religious leaders' hatred of Jesus. Because Jesus said things like, I will heal you, which meant that they were sick. He, he told them that he would forgive them, which meant that they needed forgiveness. He told them that he would give them rest, which meant that their own labors could not. And they hated him for it. But these are the things that the Sabbath is about. These are the things that are supposed to be preached. And these are the things that are supposed to be modeled. That's what we're meant to enjoy. And yes, it's going to drive some to antagonism. Some will hear these things and rail against them. 
If they acknowledge the Sabbath at all, they will pervert it so that they can exalt themselves and stand in judgment over others. And they'll spend the, 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 their Sabbaths justifying themselves and accusing others. That's not what the Sabbath is for. It's a time for serving others, sharing meals, praying and encouraging, loving, giving thanks together. The last thing the Sabbath was ever meant for was promoting self-righteousness. May we use it to encourage one another Inviting each other over for meals. Spending our time meditating on the goodness of our Savior and His kindness toward us. Our God models that for us every Sunday when He shares a meal with us. And in that meal is a reminder that Jesus has done everything necessary to save us. And nothing more is needed. Nothing more can be added. We can't add one thing to what Jesus has done. And so this meal invites us to come and to find our rest in him. And then in turn to go and show his love and his kindness to others. My prayer is that these things delight you and not offend you. May they, may they shape us, may they form us, and may they make us more like Jesus. And so with those things in mind, I'd like to ask the elders to come forward that we might receive this, this wonderful gift, this Sabbath meal. please join me in prayer Father we thank you for your word we thank you for this meal and we thank you for this day and we ask that you would teach us to delight in the gift of the Sabbath teach us to marvel that Jesus has accomplished everything on our behalf so that we might rest in him and his completed work Teach us to love and to serve others, not to use your gift to oppress or abuse, but to lift up, to encourage, and to serve, and to spend time together. May our Sunday fellowship be a delight and refreshment each week, we pray. Amen.